Hey guys, this is Tom from Evergrey, and you're listening to the podcast. Welcome back to the broadcast. This is Randy Salo, your host, and I am very delighted to be joined today by Tom from Evergrey and Silent Skies calling in from Gothenburg. Hey, Tom, how's it going? It's going good. It's pretty damn cold up here in the north, but uh, yeah, we're, we're all happy and peachy. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Actually, we are having a, a big cold spell down here in Munich as well. Um, things are totally frozen, which uh, we get cold weather here, but yeah, we're dipping into the minus quite a lot at the moment. So, Yeah, it's going to end soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So February 26th, you're releasing your 12th album, uh, Escape of the Phoenix, via AFM Records. How does it feel to have 12? Uh, I mean, when you, when you sort of point it out like you just did, it feels, uh, uh, I mean, I got to admit, it feels weird because it's, uh, I never thought I would be doing this for this amount of time. But mostly... I didn't figure we would still be sort of contemporary and actually still growing. I mean, the Atlantic album is our most successful album commercially, which is weird when wow. you've been doing this for 20, at that time, 23 years. And now I'm on my 25th or 26th year doing this. So, I mean, it's uh, I'm actually very proud of, of that fact. So, yeah, it's great. Um. I have to say the record is like massive sounding and um, I already was like loving the last several albums and, and like the sound that you guys have cultivated uh, over the last few records. Um, and, but, but what I was amazed was, is that sounds totally fresh again. You know, it doesn't sound like it's just a continuation of the Atlantic. It sounds like totally new and still very massive. So how do you, how, how did you approach uh, the record uh, differently from the Atlantic or, you know, where does it come from, this massive sound? I mean, we always try to renew ourselves, revitalize ourselves for each and every album. We have to find something that makes it fun for us because it's uh, such a long amount of time that we're spending in this creative bubble and this process, which is draining and tiring and, 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 and uh, hard work, it sounds like. It sounds weird that music is hard work, but it is. It's because you're, at least for me and uh, and Jonas, the drummer, we are 100% focused in this with, you know, 24 hours of the, uh, yeah, every every day, you know. So uh, it has to be fun. It has to give us goosebumps. We have to, you know, start with that. If it doesn't do that, then it won't give anybody else goosebumps, you know, so... So coming from the trilogy of albums that we did for since 2013, basically, up until the Atlantic's end, uh, we've been in the same story mode, basically, uh, which, which in itself was a extremely rewarding and giving process for us to be in because we could just sw switch on and off uh, going in and out of this project which was extremely tiring but as i said extremely rewarding but coming from that and not having to be sort of in this frame of this trilogy anymore was also re extremely refreshing going into the escape of the phoenix album which gave us so much new energy 
in terms of just having to think of one song at the time, you know. Uh, so instead of painting these huge pictures, we could paint 11 postcards instead. <laughs> I don't know, you know. So so that that in itself gave gave us uh, new energy and a new uh, new view on how we create music. So and then again, we always try to make the best song possible each and every time, and that's we we never. You know, we never waver from that. We, we we're always gonna. That's that's why we do this. We make music for ourselves, and and we're just blessed that people seem to like it as well. This might be kind of a tiresome question, but how much of the pandemic like affected the songwriting or the themes of the album, or even your ability to to get together and and make a record uh, during twenty twenty? Short answer: nothing. <laughs> it didn't affect it at all because we were. So maybe for the first time in Evergrace history, we're on the right side of the, you know, the coin of luck. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we uh, we had already scheduled our uh, recording and uh, and uh, composing period as well as the studio time. Uh, so we, we were already set to, to do this from February to October, uh, which was, I mean, extremely fortunate. But uh so for, for us, nothing changed except the fact that we didn't go to Denmark and mix the album. Uh, but then, of course, unconsciously, you never know what you bring into the music uh, by being in this world that is changing, you know. But at the same time, I'm also very secluded out on the west coast of Sweden where, where, where no, I can't be reached by anyone and you know, I, I can walk here for a week and I won't meet a person. So for me, it's like wow. still not, uh, nothing changed except the fact that I don't travel anymore and I don't get to meet my, you know, friends on the other side of the pond and uh, all that, those stuff, which of course affects me a lot. I had a feeling that a lot of records I was hearing, especially at the start of this year, that were written during the pandemic are like heavier and, and more aggressive in a way. And um, certainly, I mean, like all Evergrey records, um, The Escape of the Phoenix is also heavy and aggressive. But are, d would you say that that didn't really come out of any kind of like angst or aggression uh, or, yeah, you know, feelings from 2020? Is this or is this just... I mean, me. Usually, the writing process goes like this: Me and Jonas, the drummer, we uh, we are the most creative. I mean, starting the songwriting guys in this band, and we already written a lot of our material in November, December, two thousand nineteen. So, right. you know, coming into March of of uh, uh, two thousand twenty, we pretty much have had a big grasp on 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 how the album would sound for us. But then. The next step in the process is that we bring all of our stuff to the guys in the band and we all, the five of us, sit down and debate and talk and produce the songs to become Evergrey songs rather than, you know, Tom's songs or Jonah's songs. And and that's when it really happens. So, of course, I can't, I can only speak for myself, but I mean, going into this, I mean, of course it affects us, but at that time we didn't even know it would, I mean, everybody was thinking it's going to be gone by summer, you know, and by summer in Sweden it was pretty much gone, but then it, you know, took on again. So I, I don't think it affected uh, the sound that much, but the funny thing is that when I listen to it, I haven't listened to it that much because I like to leave it for a while, 
Um, but when I do listen to it now, getting prepared for these interviews months, uh, what strikes me is, is that I, th- I think it sounds hungry. I think it sounds uh, energetic. And I would maybe even to a sense of maybe it's even uplifting in a way because it sounds that energetic, but, you know, in a minor way, you know. So, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely fresh. I definitely agree with that, the, with the uplifting feeling. I mean, I think I often turn to your music for, for that feeling anyway. I discovered you guys. I'm from South Carolina originally, and um, back in, you know, 1998 or 99, I, I don't think your uh, records were, like, fully available in North America yet. Yeah. And I think I bought some bootlegs when the, when, um, of the Dark Discovery and Solitude Dominance Tragedy came out. I think I think it was in '99, yeah. and um, I think f- since then I've also always turned to your music for that kind of like cathartic release, that thing that's very dark but also hopeful. Yeah. Um, when you listen to the records, so I definitely feel it I, here. Yeah, I, I, I hear you because I mean I talked to Floor. Uh, Jansen from Nightwish, uh, we did uh, something here in my studio and we yep. were sitting down and talking about the fact that, I mean, not, not all music that brings energy has to be jolly and happy and, and, and you know, sounding like whatever, ACDC or whatever. It, that gives me another vibe, but I get energetic and I get energy and, 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 and uh, feel revitalized by music that is dark and moody and, and, and like, like every gray, for instance, that's what, I mean, obviously, (laughs) otherwise I wouldn't have been doing this for 25 years, but yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I guess it's hard to look into the future of touring at the moment, but, uh, do you have any, any kind of plans for a live performance of the album or any kind of tour or anything that you expect that's possible in the next year? I mean, it's uh, it's uh, two different questions. We have we have planned. I mean, we we have a five week tour planned starting October eighth for Europe. Uh, uh, going to America, I think, will be a long while before uh, the you know your. I mean, I'm saying your because you're American. Yeah. But <laughs> American government will allow bands to come in there and spreading the disease. I mean, yeah. potentially, it's hard as it is to get in as a band to America even before the pandemic. So let's see. But uh, yeah, so that starts on October 8th, I think. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really hoping that it will happen. But at the same time, I'm not that optimistic that it will. So uh, um, yeah, it is what it is. You guys were one of the one of the earlier bands to embrace the live stream format. Uh, you did a show in June uh, in Gothenburg, and it was was really critically acclaimed uh, for the sound, for the performance and everything. Have you ever considered releasing that? Yeah. Uh, the thing is, during these uh, pandemic ti- times, you also want to be very careful with what kind of deals you do <laughs> because we don't have any income streams at all anymore, you know, uh, not playing live because that's usually where we make our money. So it, it took a while for us to sort of get a, get to a deal with AFM Records for the actual recordings of it. But now we have. So it's I think it's getting out during the, the fall uh, okay. for, this, for this year. And I mean, as you said, you, for those who have seen it, it's, it, it, it's uh, extremely professional and fully sounding and all of that good stuff. So, yeah, extremely happy with that performance, actually. Yeah, cool. 
Um, since we're talking about uh, videos a little bit, would you talk about a little bit your relationship with Patrick Uleas? Uh, you guys have been working together for many years. And I mean, he's also a name we know from the scene. I would say that as a metal metal fan, um, you know, I went to film school in New York and I, I think he was one of the first people I recognize as a person who directs heavy metal videos back in the yeah. early 2000s or something like that. Him and Revolver films, of course. Um, could you talk about like your relationship together with him and like your process working together to create videos for the new record? I mean, it, we've been doing it for such a long time now. It's uh, uh, his first uh, first video with us was was uh, for the song "A Touch of Blessing." Hmm. Uh, when was that? Two thousand three, maybe. Uh, so of course we also worked almost twenty years together now. So we have done. I don't even know how many videos we have done. I would say yeah. 20 uh, and a live concert and some other stuff. And and then he also did the Silent Sky stuff as well. So, And the Redemption stuff. So, I mean, it's like, and, and he's my best man, you know, for my wedding. And, you know, so we wow. have uh, this deep friendship, uh, but also this deep uh, relation in terms of the work. So, um, yeah, I mean, you, it, of course, the, the relation, work relation has shift, shifted uh, since day one. Because then he was a big hip hop producer. I mean, really huge. You know, he filmed airplanes with helicopters and uh, that filmed uh, motorboats, you know. So it's yeah. <laughs> uh, in Miami, you know, living yeah. the good life. Right. So uh, first time I called him, he said, well, just so you know, I don't even bring out the camera for less than 50,000 euros. So, And I said, well, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> then he and uh, the actually true story. Uh, yeah, I believe that. <laughs> but then we came from the same suburb in Gothenburg, which is this uh, not not the richest part of the world, you know. Uh, so we somehow connected in that, uh, and uh, yeah, and then we started working. And then uh, I mean, Patrick has become a person that. Uh, is really understanding my vision. I mean, I guess that's his also his talent as a as a producer, that he understands the talent and can also bring that to life and also say when it's too far or not good enough for. So I usually bring the ideas and and he and he films my ideas. Uh, that's usually how it works. And now we have been doing so much stuff together that that he sort of leaves the idea making to me and 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 I sort of. Supply the location, and the uh, and the people, and the horse or whatever, yeah. whatever it might be, or a Russian plane, you know, and <laughs> and then he provides the red camera and the and the and the stuff. <laughs> uh, it's it's interesting for me, uh, I think, from the film side uh, because I didn't remember that he was doing so so many uh, hip hop videos back then. Mm -hmm. But I think that's certainly what why I he came on my radar when he started working with you guys because he brought like a level of sophistication from 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 how he shot things that yeah. maybe wasn't there in the metal world before in the video world and yeah i mean yeah if he's flying helicopters and chasing boats and stuff in miami then that's 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 where that comes from is yeah, bringing these elements sure. into the i mean he brought a whole new new a whole new uh, it's like he brought like this advertising looking clips into yep. The world of metal that didn't have that money to produce those clips before, uh, and uh, and he's a metalhead himself, so that's why you know most yeah. most good people are. Look at mm -hmm. Max Martin and Jonas Okerlund, and you know there's a bunch of 
all of them are metalheads. So, you know, yeah. we're going to take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully soon. Um, uh, just just to make a parallel to the the new Evergrey album, you also in in December released uh, an album with Vikram Shankar, Silent Skies, uh, Satellites, mm-hmm. which uh, showcases another side uh, of you. I say that with hesitation because this is a side that we know of you. This 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 also in, introspective, reflective, you know, lower key piano thing and. I would say when you guys first started releasing singles from that project, I thought, wow, this is the perfect like like synergy of that and bringing that part of you out that I think a lot of us loved. And now we kind of have a whole album's worth of material like that. Um, for you creatively, these are two di- very different projects, but did anything that you did on, sil- on the Silent Skies uh, release uh, affect the work in Evergrey, maybe from a creative stand- uh, point of view? Yeah, and vice versa, I would say. I mean, also coming into this project, this was something that I have been wanting to do for wanting to do for like ten years, at least. I've uh, had this vision of creative creating like a score music project with vocals, pretty much like I wanted to create a dark uh, sort of death metal project with Evergrey, but with normal vocals. That was the sort of same, you know, vision for the inner eye that I had. And then I saw Vikram doing this. Uh, take on a song called Missing You, I think, uh, uh, that Evergrey did. Uh, and then I, I just wrote to him an email. And I mean, he, also, he, he is a, obviously a big, big Evergrey fan too. So, so it's like a synergy that comes from all kinds of angles, bringing, because he's bringing his interpretation of Evergrey into the world of Silent Skies also, because I, as he, as he says, I influenced his sense of melody and songwriting through his upbringing. So, in a sense, it's it's a very cool collaborate project. I don't like to call it a project because it's uh, it's just as important as Evergrey is for me. So, uh, uh, it's a uh, it's one of those things where I, we we don't have to care about anything but the music. It's it's not so big, so we have to care about the economy or. Um, anything like that. We can just be creative and, you know, paint the worlds exactly as we see them and and bring that to you. I mean, hence the first singing, single being eight minutes and 15 <laughs> seconds long. You know, it's That's like right. our lives a big, long ass drag, <laughs> basically. <laughs> In a, in a more perfect world, or or rather a, a healthier world without a pandemic, um, could you imagine going on tour together? And what oh, would yes. that what would that look like? What kind of shows would that be? I mean, of course, we would have to sell a couple of albums first. But I mean, at the same time, I could see us doing extremely small and intimate settings. You know, but I don't. That's not my vision. My vision is you know huge screens and cello players and. Naked ladies and wine. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Skip the last two words. No, the, the, don't cut it out. But yeah, but I mean, uh, yeah, we we really want to do it live. Yeah, because I think we also could pull it off in a in a very nice visual way. Yeah, I could imagine like a uh, c- seated theater, you know, sort of a setting. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah with red curtains. And also, and we could also do like the very downscaled without any of the other stuff, just piano vocals, you know? 
So there's so much things that you could be could be done for a tour with like Silent Skies that we we just need to open for someone that is bigger. Hmm. Olafur Arnalds would be a dream for us to open oh, yeah. for. Uh, I wanted to talk one uh, uh, about one more thing about the record. Uh, you had an amazing duet together with James Labrie on The Beholder. Um, I was, it, it wasn't just a guest performance. It was like a perfect like synergy between the two of you uh, with the duet parts. It really works so, so well. Uh, do, would, would you talk about how that came together? Yeah, I mean, we were sitting in uh, the Evergrey studio uh, in this second or third phase of the, our writing and, and uh, we were listening to, uh, through the songs and this part came where, which actually Jonas wrote on the, on the keyboards and I was sitting like, you know, contemplating, listening and then I, I said, we need a guest vocalist for this part. That's how I said it. Mm -hmm. And everybody sort of turned silent and then pretty much in the same voice, it should be James. It should be James. <laughs> so maybe, maybe there was something in the melody, something in the harmony, something in the vibe that reminded us of, of James's voice, and which is so cool because I mean, we're not friends. I wouldn't say we're friends, but we're friendly colleagues, me and James, or us and James. We have toured with uh, his band and also played with Dream Theater a bunch of times. So, and also Dream Theater was also the reason why I started Evergrey, you know, mm. uh, wanting to sound like them and quickly realizing that I had to practice my guitar for another 55 years, <laughs> which still hasn't happened. So, uh, so we quickly had to find our own identity. So in part, uh, Dream Theater is, I mean, re responsible for how Evergrey sounds today in, in, in a way. Uh, and then having James, uh, perform on a track like this. I just sent him an email and said, this is what I have in mind. We all thought of you. Um, my lyrics are going to be about having this role model uh, or, or like a higher self or, uh, um, yeah, somebody that you look up to that could guide you, guide you through, through life. And he has also been sort of this voice of my career in the background, always being there, releasing new albums, releasing new great stuff, and, and uh, which has been... Yeah, I, I guess like music works for most people, Dream Theater worked for me. Uh, and they're still around doing great stuff. So it's like, uh, yeah, it's just cool. So he list, listened to the song and he, he loved the song and the lyric idea. And so I got to write the vocal melodies and all that stuff, knowing that he would sound exactly how I wanted him to sound, you know, and... I know his phrasing from listening to him for 20 years and and uh, and then I sent it to him and 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 then I added my harmonies uh to the melodies that he sang to get the you know the right vibe for the rhythmics and whatnot so yeah yeah what an honor to um to bring him on for that reason you know for that for that connection not just as a guest performance but really some, oh. somebody who's like a part of the fabric I guess of Amazing. And uh, I mean, he's uh, the funniest guy in the world. He's the nicest gentleman there is. So, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's just a great experience to be able to sort of close a circle on, on, a, on a chapter of my life that has, I mean, not even close it, but I mean, bring it to another level in a way. So it's great to have. I mean, this is what I find every, every, 
every day now, getting older and older in this business, it's just a blessing to be able to participate on other people's projects and be involved in music with people that are whoever it is. I've, I've done so much different stuff for fans this year. And yes, I, I do charge for my services, but yep. at the same time, they get exactly what they want and I, I am their tool. And, and, and uh, I think I've appeared on 20 tracks plus a couple of albums, full albums. And, you know, so it's, it's, um, it's just great to, to sort of bring your stuff into other people's worlds of music and, get, and also get stuff back from it learning so much about yourself as a musician performing on other people's music like redemption for instance where i don't creatively or i'm not like that involved as i am in in silent skies or evergrey uh, which is a great thing for me too because i get to just be the vocalist right uh, I think that's actually a great um, transition point to to bring up uh, the last section of the show. Uh, we have a, sh- a section called What's in Your Walkman, where we like to ask our guests if there's anything that they're listening to, a single or an album um, that they would recommend to their fans. Obviously, it doesn't have to be in the prog genre at all. It can be anything. Is there something that's like been in your playlist lately that's spoken to you and uh, that you would share with us today? Yeah, this is so weird because I'm, I'm going to push two of my friends in, in Redemption now because yeah. uh, because they both are in two amazing bands. Vikram is in a band called Lux Terminus. Yes. That's like the most incredible instrumental music uh, you will hear, uh, I feel. I agree. And then you should also listen to the latest DGM album. Yes. Uh, uh, which is featuring also Simone Mularone, who is a friend of mine and uh, and also plays in Redemption. And I appeared on their song, uh, Songs, no song, yeah, never mind. You can check, their latest album out is fantastic. And also I heard the new Architects uh, single the other day called Butterfly something. Okay. Maybe fucking fantastic. Or maybe it was from their live performance at uh, at uh, the Royal Albert Hall or whatever it was. It sounding amazingly heavy. Okay. And really, really great. Yeah, I'll so, definitely check those out. Um, the only the the things I've been listening to a lot lately um, is uh, Soen's new record, Imperial, mm-hmm. uh, which is, is excellent um, and heavy. Uh, so I would put something from that. And also the new stuff coming from Vola. They've had yeah. a couple of new Vola, singles. It's recorded in the same studio as us, actually. Okay. Yeah. Great. Great connection there. Yeah. Uh, and th- their new al- album is sounding amazing. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, uh, great. Thanks so much, Tom, for taking the time to talk with us today. Good luck uh, with the release of the album, which comes out again February 26th via AFM Records, Escape of the Phoenix. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. And to our listeners out there, thanks again for tuning in to the podcast. You can catch new episodes of the show every Monday and Thursday, and our Friday Top 5 lineup drops on Fridays. Uh, One other thing for Evergrey fans out there, if you go all the way back to episode 4 of the podcast, me and my co-host Dario sat down together with uh, Jason from the Prog Mind and went through the entire discography of Evergrey, talking about each album and our connection to it. And yeah, it's a super nerdy uh, Evergrey session. So head back and check that one out. All right, guys, take care of yourselves out there. Stay safe. See you next time. The Progcast is a production of Stuus Media and is presented by the Prog Space. 
It is produced by Randy M. Salo, Janine Stengel-Lewis, Blake Lewis, and Dario Albrecht. Our theme music is by This Is Not An Elephant, and Van Kirsch does our graphics. New episodes of the podcast drop every Monday and Thursday. And don't miss our Friday Top 5 episode where we discuss our favorite new releases from that week. For more interviews and reviews in the written form, check out theprogspace.com.